some people in to let you take the day off, and, and lining the front of this house in this caricature, it was, I think, every single, there was like 30 people. Um, there was somebody to do you know, food, there was somebody to do medical, there was somebody to put the fire out. It was, it was amazing. So yes, we, we acknowledge you, we thank you, you guys are a, a blessing. Um, again, as Brandon mentioned, we are, or as the video mentioned, we're doing a, a recognition of all our graduate, graduates this next coming Sunday. Uh, what an honor for us to be a part of, of this moment for you guys. Y'all please go online, sign up. We'd love to be able to honor you and uh, celebrate graduation with you. That's not just high school. If you're graduating college, uh, I don't know, graduating whatever else there is to graduate, um, we want to celebrate and be a part with you. So that'll be this next coming Sunday. Uh, today, I want, to, uh, I want to jump right into a, a new series that we've, uh, we've called Disciple. And we, we started a, a, a series here, it was I think about five weeks ago, called Change Agent. And we went through different things, different ways, understanding if you know what God says about you, only then will you be able to truly walk in the fullness and the power and the authority that God has given you. When you know who he says you are, not what the world says you are, not what even we say about ourselves, looking in the mirror, looking down upon ourselves, but what God says about you, then you'll be able to walk in the fullness, the power of all that he says you can. Today, we ended the Change Agent series talking about how God has called us to be a disciple. I think a lot of times as Christians, we get confused and we get this mentality that God has called us to be Christians. Never once did Jesus call us to be Christians. And, and I say this, I, I pray you hear my heart. What I'm saying is, I, I think sometimes we, we get this idea, a Christian is just something that you can be. It's, it's a, a checking of a box. It's, it's a holding on to my golden ticket. It's, okay, I've prayed the prayer. I've said what I had to say. Now I don't have to do anything else. There's just that connotation that sometimes goes with it. But disciple evokes action. There's something behind it. Uh, the true literal definition of a disciple is a learner, somebody who continues to, to garner information, somebody who continues to learn from someone else. That's exactly what we are as Christians, as disciples. We are supposed to continually learn from Jesus, learn from what he taught us, learn from how he showed us how to live. As disciples of Jesus, the, what I want to discuss today is that we are called to compassion. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to dive into different elements of what Jesus said a disciple was. If we look at his example, what are we too then supposed to emulate? Today, I want to talk about compassion. Every single one of us, we're called to care for other people that are in need. Uh, I've been, uh, I, heard, I heard a story. Uh, I think it's a great illustration. And, and this was a, another pastor. And he was sharing this story about a, a time that he went on an airplane. And he's, he's flying on an airplane, and he heard there was a, a lady behind him who was being very Christian, witnessing to the guy right next to him, um, right next to her, excuse me. And he tells this story. He's listening to the whole encounter, and, and, and it wasn't that, that she, that it was just a very uh, in-your-face, uh, kind of a, a really rough type of, you need Jesus, you need Jesus now, and, and just kind of kept bashing the guy, bashing, and you could tell that the pastor said, you could tell that, that the other passenger was just getting irritated. I, I mean, just to the point of frustration, just trying to get a, get a word in edgewise, and then he finally said this, he said that he's listening to the conversation, and, and the man said this, ma'am, would you be quiet for just a moment? Somebody's trying to witness to you, that's usually not something you want to, 
But the guy said this, man, would you be quiet for just a moment? And he went on and he said, I would love to listen to what you have to say about Jesus if you would listen to what I have to say about my life. But the bottom line is, you don't care about me at all. All you're trying to do is convert me. I, I heard this pastor telling this story, and, and, and my heart sank. I mean, I thought, how, how saddening is it that a lot of times that is what the world sees in, in, in us? It's not that we have compassion. It's that we're just trying to, well, well I'm, I'm supposed to tick a box. I'm supposed to tell you about Jesus. I'm supposed to, and so we, instead, of, instead of caring for somebody, instead of being compassionate with somebody, what we're doing is we're just trying to get them to say a little prayer. If you'll say this prayer, then, then I'm never going to talk to you again because I, I did it. Hey, I got a salvation. I can go to all my friends. I can tell everybody, whoa, I got salvations today. I, I don't see that as the example of Christ. I never see that. They, it's sad that that's a lot of, a lot of the way that people feel about Christians. They, they feel like we really don't care about them. That we just have an agenda to get them to pray the prayer. There's a, a passage that I recently came across, and, and I think it coincides so well with, with this. Philippians 2, 20 and 21, there's, there's Paul, and, and, and I think this really does kind of capture not only what I'm talking about here with, uh, with, with that story, but being compassionate, but, but the world that we live in. And Paul is writing, and he, he says this about Timothy. He says, truthfully, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Now, again, remember, this is a letter to, to Philippi. The church in, in Philippi, uh, there were numerous, there were numerous people that had gone into this area that were trying to convert, that were trying to witness, that were trying to share. So there are many other Christians, if you will, in here, and yet Paul looks at this situation and says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. As a, as a disciple of Christ, I, I think we need to realize it's, and, and again, I pray you hear my heart, it, it, it's, not, it's not the salvations that we're after, but it's something so much deeper, something so much more. Yes, salvation, I mean, there, there's nothing like it, but, but if, if that's all we're into it for, if, if, if then we don't have what matters to Jesus Christ. We're, we're only showing what care for, for ourselves. I, I read this passage and, and was just blown away at how heartbreaking a simple sentence is. A key thought that I, I'd like for all of us to, to write down if you're taking notes, but listen to this, is to say that you care and to not act is to not care at all. Today's message, I, I think, could, could literally be summarized by just that right there. That doesn't mean you can, you know, close your Bible and go on home. Um, but look, that's it right there, to say that you care, because we all do. We all know, oh, yes, I care for, I care for this group. I care for this hurting people. I care for, for those in need. But to say that you care and to not act is to not care at all. We learned last week that, that the word compassion, every time you read it in Scripture, especially when, when you read it about Jesus, but when you read about Jesus and he says the word compassion, uh, it's immediately followed by an action. You see, we think of, we translate it as compassion, just this emotion, this, this feeling that we get. But, but truly, in the original Greek, what it translates as is, is something so much deeper. The word compassion translated, it means to feel deep sympathy. It literally translates as a, a, uh, like, a like a burning within the bowels. 
Listen here, what it means is to ache so much on the inside that you're moved to action. It's not just an emotion. It's not just a, ooh, I got the goosies. It's, it's something so much deeper. Compassion is, is just this, this hunger inside of you, this hurt inside of you that, that aches so much that you can't help but get involved in somebody else's life. Compassion. Every time we see Jesus feeling compassion throughout Scripture, his feeling is immediately followed by an action. And again, if, if, we're, if we're disciples, if we're followers of Christ, then we're watching what he does, we're looking at what he does, and we're then trying to replicate in our own lives. I look at Matthew 14. He, he, Jesus sees a large crowd. He has compassion on them. And immediately, when you look at that passage, he says he has compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Goes on in Matthew 20, there's some blind guys. Jesus, it says that he has compassion on these blind guys that are crying out, Dave, son of David, Lord, have mercy on us. His heart went out. This, this burning from within goes out, and he had compassion on them, and it says immediately he acted. He touched their eyes and healed them. Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6, Jesus lands, and, and he sees this large crowd. And again, Scripture tells us he had compassion on them. And it says why. He said he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. In other words, compassion and seeing a need in somebody else, acting on it, isn't always necessarily a, a throwing change at somebody. Or, 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 but look, in this situation, it says he saw that they were sheep without a, a shepherd, so he began teaching them. It's recognizing a need in somebody else and then stepping into that situation to fill it. It's not just, oh, I feel really bad for you. I hope you do all right. See you later. Hey, I'll pray for you. God bless. Be good. Let me sprinkle you. Throw some water on you. Hallelujah, I'm walking. We do that so we can just kind of, you know, oh, wash my hands. I did what I was supposed to. That's not compassion. That is not compassion because, again, to say that you care and to not act is to not care at all. I want to look today at a story uh, and, and I talked about this story last week, and I want to bring it back. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, what we call the Good Samaritan, and it starts in Luke chapter 10. Uh, and, and I've just been really uh, intrigued. I say re-intrigued. This was something I learned, I mean, in Sunday school back as a little kid, flannel board, I mean, the whole line, right? But now it's just taking on a deeper meaning to me because I recognize this isn't a story so much that happened as it is a story that Jesus was trying to illustrate. In other words, picking up, what happens is there's a, there's a man who's, who was uh, uh, an expert of the law. And this man, this expert of the law, comes to Jesus, and, and he's debating with Jesus, and he says, what do I need to do to be saved? In other words, I've studied, I've gone to school, I've learned the Bible, I know it, now what do I need to do? What's the minimum amount that I have to do to be saved? Like, I just want to check my box, I want to become a Christian and say I'm good. And Jesus, knowing he's an expert of the law, says, well, you tell me, what does the law say? And the guy looks at Jesus and he says, well, according to the law, the law says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You got it. Jesus says, that's it. In other words, what Jesus is, is, is conveying is, you have recognized in me what I've been living. Great job. You've nailed it. You, you didn't just read that from Scripture, but you've seen that example illustrated. But then, well, maybe not so quick. The expert says this. He, well, Jesus says, you're right, go and do that. But the, the expert, in wanting to justify himself, says, oh, okay, well then, who's my neighbor? 
Who do I have to care for? How far do I really have to take this? Love the Lord your God. I can do that. I've memorized it. But, but how I love the neighbor as myself. How, who's my neighbor? How, like, do I really have to love everybody? Or can I just be forced to love the people I have to love because I go to church with them and, and I have to smile on Sundays at them? And I think at that moment, not that Jesus didn't know, but in my mind, as I read this story, what, what I'm seeing is, is Jesus immediately realized I've been living my life as an example. I've been living my life as an example of what the scripture should be interpreted as, but you still don't get it. You've sat there and you've memorized the law. You've read the scripture. You've read the book, but, but you've got nothing here. You've got everything here and you've got nothing here. You're missing heaven by this much. The distance from, from your head to your heart. You're missing it. And so that's when Jesus says, you know what? I want to tell you a story. Uh, my life has been an example of just this, but because you haven't recognized my life as an example of this, let me illustrate it with this story. And so he starts. There was a man traveling on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I, I, a couple things. I talked a little bit about this uh, last week, but... But I want you to recognize Jesus is telling this story, again, to a Jewish scholar, but as well to a group of Jews. And Jews in that time, this meant so much more than we recognize. This wasn't just a road from Jericho to Jerusalem. The, the Jews that were telling this, that he's telling this to, they knew this, this road, it's almost more of just a trail. If you go online and look at pictures today, it's an 18-mile uh, travel from, from, Jer from Jericho to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Jericho, and, and along the way, it's, it's about a 3,000-foot drop in elevation. So, I mean, you're literally winding down a mountain. It, it's very treacherous. It, it's very rocky, but in as much, Jerusalem uh, was a, a very oasis type of place, whereas Jericho, just 18 miles away, was dry, was right on the Dead Sea, and, and it was a desert. So most of the distance traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho well, was just this really dry, desert, rocky outplace. All these rock outcroppings, where as well, the Jews knew that Samaritans loved to hide. This was a main thoroughfare of travel, of, of, uh, of trade. And so Samaritans would love to hide behind all the rocks, behind all these easy places. They would jump out and they would beat down Jews to be able to steal the trade, the commerce that they were taking from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It was a known place. So if you traveled it as a Jew, you knew you had to be mindful. You had to be prepared. There's anything that could come. As well, whatever you took with you was a necessity. The water that you took was for an 18-mile walk. Jesus picks up this story. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. These guys jump out. They, they end up stripping this man of all his clothing. They beat him, and they went away, Scripture says, leaving him half dead. So here's a group of men, three to five guys, beat down this one poor guy, strip all of his clothing off, and leave him there to die. But, hey, good news. We're talking to a group of Jews who, who know their religious leaders, and Jesus is about to show them that there's some good solid religious leaders that are going to be coming along, right? We're good. I, I, I love what's interesting about verse 31 is Jesus starts off, he says, a rabbi happened to be going down the same road. Now, now understand, Jesus was referred to as a rabbi. So in essence, what we have here, Jesus is, is almost... I don't want to say poking fun, but he, he's showing a point that, that it doesn't matter 
what your title is. It doesn't matter what, what people have given you an accolade of a title, but it's, it's the actions that follow. So Jesus is talking about even, even rabbis, even people like myself. There's a rabbi that comes along. Now, in, in justification, we don't know. It, it very well could have been a, a very hard day at Temple. You know, the, the people were just really needy. Uh, and so he was hurt, he was tired, he had a long journey ahead, and so whatever reason, he stepped off to the side and just, just walked past him. Now, and again, in, in looking at the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, you have to understand there's some parts that are so narrow, there's no way to get some, by somebody unless you literally step over them. It, it's a trail, it's a path. So Jesus is telling this story, talking about a rabbi, here comes the rabbi, but the rabbi steps over and keeps on going. Uh, again, maybe, maybe the rabbi knew the, the, the dangers, the threats of this road and, and looked at the situation and said, oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't want to get involved. I, uh, there, there's going to be some big issues here. I, uh, he could have deserved it. This could take a lot of time out of my schedule. I, I, I've got to be somewhere. All these things, which, which are valid. But Jesus says he walks on by. And then he continues on and he says, secondly, a, a Levite came along. A Levite was, was a, another, another person who worked in the church, a worshiper, somebody who, who led the people in worship. So now here's another solid religious good guy. And so the same, though, the Levite, when he saw him, he passed on the other side too, kept on driving, just kept on going. I want you to realize that I think we all will have an excuse to justify not getting involved. Every single one of us, and look, I don't, I don't even look at these guys necessarily and blame them because it doesn't say why. They very well could have had a valid, legitimate excuse, but it was just that. I think in life, for every single one of us, every single one of us will always have an excuse to justify not getting involved. I think each and every one of us needs to get ready to have that conversation in our head, that play through in our mind. Uh, you know, it's, well, you know, I'm running late. This could take a lot more time than, than what I, I think I really have available. I've got my own issues at home. I, I mean, I'm having to deal with my wife and my kids. And <laughs> I think we need to realize that we'll always be able to rationally justify not getting involved. But again, to say that we care and to not act is to not care at all. And as disciples, every example of Christ that we're supposed to be learning from, we're called to care so deeply that we have to act. Today what I want to do is, is in talking about compassion, uh, I want to pull out three different points that I see through this story. Three different uh, illustrations, three different things that I see Jesus trying to convey. Again, he, he lived the life, he lived the example, they didn't get it, so he shared a story and said, I hope you hear this. The first one I hope we recognize is that compassion interrupts. Compassion will interrupt every bit of your busy schedule, every bit of your planned out day. Compassion, none of us wake up in the morning and say, you know what, today, today I want to, I want to make sure that I help out that needy person that's going to ask me for money. It, I mean, I say everybody, it's not the usual thought. I'm sure that on this story, as we're reading, that, that the, the, the guy, this, as we read through the Samaritan, he didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what, today, today I hope on my 18-mile journey that I get to help out a half-dead guy. 
Compassion always interrupts. Generally, God will interrupt our schedule with what I'll call a divine interruption. A divine interruption. But sadly, if you're not paying attention, if you're not sitting there trying to learn from, be a disciple of Christ, it's very possible that you're just going to miss it. In verse 33, 34, oh, I'm jumping ahead. In verse 33 and 34, uh, there we go. It says, but a despised Samaritan came along. And I love that Jesus even used a despised Samaritan. So here, this group of Jews listening to Jesus tell this story was like, oh, the rabbi didn't do it. The, the Levite didn't do it. Well, if those guys didn't do it, a despised Samaritan, forget it. In fact, even, their immediate thought would have been that this is probably the perpetrator. This is probably the guy that was in cahoots with ever, whoever robbed him. This was the bad guy. This was the people that we hate, the people we despise. And then all of a sudden, Jesus flips it on him. He says this, but a despised Samaritan comes along, and when he saw the man, he had compassion on him. Again, in the Greek, that word right there, that word is the same one. It's, it's, this, it's this aching on the inside, this, this yearning so hard, this, this burning desire from inside that you can't help but get involved. A Samaritan for a Jew, they didn't like each other, wanted nothing to do with each other. And he's telling the Jews that, that the very guy that they thought would be the, the antagonist in the story is, is now set up to be the, the hero. The Jews would have thought this Samaritan would have, would, have, would have walked on by. And yet here in verse 34, it continues on. It says, the Samaritan, he went to the man who was in need. Because he had compassion on him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Again, remembering, 18-mile journey, what he has with him is what he needs to be able to get and do what he needs to do. Pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man, look, put the man on the donkey. I, I, I look at this situation, and, and if you think about it, compassion interrupting his schedule. He's dressed for whatever he's doing today. And now here's, here's a man bleeding and dying on the side of the road, and, and yet he gets in there. You can't, you can't like ask somebody who's half dead for, hey, can, I'm just going to hold your hand. Can you help me out here? Come on. Come on. You got it. Let's go. I, I mean, the man's limp. He, he's dead weight, and yet, and yet this Samaritan picks him up, carries him, Lays him across his donkey. I, I don't know where in this 18-mile journey it was, but now this Samaritan that, that was dressed, ready for, to go through the desert, through the heat, into Jericho to do the business that he had to do is now going to have to walk it as opposed to ride his donkey. Jesus illustrates the Samaritan stops. The guy's in trouble, and, and yet the Samaritan, I, he's not a doctor. Again, you'll always have an excuse to justify you're not getting involved, you're not taking action. This is Samaritan. doesn't say he's a doctor. doesn't say he's equipped to be able to handle a half-dead man. It doesn't say he knows what he's doing. It just says he was compassionate. He felt compassion. He wraps him up, pours a, a salve on his, on his wounds, lifts the guy up, puts him on his donkey, and then travels. Compassion interrupted and look, that guy didn't wake up that morning and say, today's the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help me out a half-dead Jew. <laughs> I feel bad even saying it. But that, that, those weren't the words that came out of his mouth. Why? Because compassion will interrupt your day. It'll interrupt. 
everything that you're doing. I, I think some of us are, are always in such a rush with, with our own agendas, our own schedules, our own, our own situations that over and over again we're going to miss divine opportunities. I, I can promise you, I can promise you, mark my word, this week, some of you, it, it, there was going to be something. There's going to be, uh, you, you walk into work and somebody who's, who's just found out that they have cancer is just going to need somebody to talk to. There's going to be somebody else that you're going to run into and you're going to be talking to them. And, and if you're open to hear, if you're listening with, with, with God's ears, with his heart and listening, truly being compassionate, truly caring, you're going, to, you're going to find out that their spouse just walked out on them for somebody else and, and they're broken, they're hurting. Similarly laying, bleeding and dying on the side of the road. All of these situations that we can constantly, there's going to be somebody who, who's been laid off from a job, somebody who, who couldn't afford rent this month, and now they're, they're being threatened with eviction. There's, there's things that go on in our lives daily, and if you're not listening, you're going to miss the opportunity for a divine interruption in your life. Is it going to be something you can schedule out that morning? Well, I've got from 10 o'clock to 10.15. Um, so if anybody has any issues... I'm available right after service, the preacher here, I'm available right after service for about 15 minutes, but then lunch, lunch starts and I can't stay any longer. <laughs> it's it's going to interrupt you. God will interrupt you and give you a compassion, just a, a hunger, a burning on the inside that you can't help but get involved in somebody's life because compassion interrupts. The next thing I want you to realize as well is that compassion costs. Compassion costs. Not only will it interrupt your schedule, your agenda, but it, it's going to cost you. In, in verse 35, continuing on in the story, again, here's Jesus conveying to us uh, the example that he was already living. And he says this, the next day, the Samaritan, after, after spending the night with this guy, taking care of him through the night, he took out two silver coins, two silver coins equal to that day to, to two, uh, two full days worth of good wage. So this wasn't something that everybody made. This, this was somebody who had set aside his money. He had, he had garnered and he had saved up two full days worth of wages. And yet he hands them to the innkeeper and says, look out for this guy. Look after him, please. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may incur, that, you may, that it may cost you. I, I, it's going to be on me. He didn't just hand the guy off and say, I did my part. Got you up to the next exit. See ya. Can I get you McDonald's? No, 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 you can't get in my car. I'll go get McDonald's and I'll hand it to you. <laughs> and, and again, I pray you hear me. I'm not trying to condemn anybody because I look at my own life and I can't even count the times when I've driven on by. I pray you hear that I'm not trying to preach some sort of condemnation if you've driven by, you're going to hell kind of sermon. That's not it. I'm just trying to open our eyes and see what Jesus is trying to convey to each and every one of us, myself included. Compassion will cost you. Compassion will cost you. The man looks at the innkeeper and says, I've got to go do something, but, uh, but I'll be back, I promise you, and I will cover whatever extra expense he has. This was a and then some moment. This wasn't just the minimum, what I, what I have to do to get by. It was... It was so much more, even if it costs me, even if it inconveniences me, compassion costs something. I think for some of you here this morning, it's paying for something um, is easy. It's, 
It's easy to, to throw change at it for you. For, for others here, paying for something is difficult. It, it would hurt you because you're looking at, well, I've got to be able to feed my own family. I've got to be able to, to, I've been saving up for this or, or whatever it is. And, and so that is the cost for you. But for others, again, it's, it's easy just to, to throw money. And for you, I, I would say if, if money's easy, that's not a cost. It may be your time that's more valuable. And, and I wonder, too, if you're willing to spend your time on people. It doesn't show you care if it doesn't cost you. True compassion, compassion from the heart, it not only interrupts, but it also costs. But here's the great thing, I think, about what Jesus is illustrating through this story. And my third point is that compassion changes lives. Compassion changes lives. Jesus finishes and he says, which of these three, again, speaking to this Jewish, this Jewish group, speaking to this expert, this scholar of the word of God, he, he says, which of these three would you say was a neighbor? The scholar finally gets it. He, he hears this example that Jesus is trying to drive home and he finally gets it and he says, uh, he, he can't even say the Samaritan, he, he has to say the one who showed him mercy. That, that guy, the, the, one that, the one that I will walk around a whole town to avoid, he showed compassion. And Jesus looks at the man and says, go and do the same. Lives were changed because Jesus took the time to answer a belligerent scholar, somebody who was trying to throw him off. I think a lot of times, so in life, we... Somebody attacks us on, on Facebook or somebody says something to us to our face or, or behind our back or, or whatever. And our immediate thought is, is oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going to show them. And yet Jesus stopped. Even here was a man that, that, that was trying to thump him, was trying to, to stump him, was trying to, to get under him. And, and Jesus said, all right, I'll work with you. Let's play this game. Lives were changed. A group of, uh, of Jewish people listening to Jew Jesus that never caught Jesus' example in life. Now we're hearing Jesus' life example through a story, and, and lives were changed. We look at Jesus. I follow his life throughout the Gospels. As I, as I read you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as I read the stories following Jesus, I watch as he was interrupted time and time again. I watch as he gives. I watch as he heals blind eyes, as he, as he forgives people, as he spends time with those that, that were so dirty that nobody else in society would spend time with. I watch as he cares for others who others didn't care for. As he had time even for little children. Compassion for widows. And continually, this compassion is revealed through, through this very real, this sincere love, even, even for, for prostitutes, for tax collectors, for sinners. His life was an example of compassion. He was compelled to act. And yet so many of us drive right on by. We say we care, but to say we care and not act is to not care. And here's the beautiful thing about compassion changing lives. Yes, compassion will, will often change somebody else's life. That, that man that was left dying on the side of the road very likely would have died had somebody not come by and shown compassion. But, but so much more so, I think what we don't realize as well is, 
is compassion not only will change somebody else's life, but it'll change yours. It'll change yours, guys. Every time you drive on by, not only do you miss an opportunity to, to impact somebody else, but you may have missed an, an opportunity for, for God to impact you. As I, as I close this morning, as the band comes up to play, I, I want to come back to the scripture that we started off in, in Philippians chapter 2. Paul saying, I, I really don't have anybody like Timothy. Can y'all play on that second song for me? I really don't have anybody like Timothy. I mean, he really cares. He, he really has compassion for people. He, he's thinking about you. But most people, most people, even, even these other people that are, that are trying to convert you, that are trying to say, we're Christians, follow us, they, they care only for themselves. They don't care for the things that matter to Christ. We're called by God to have compassion. Each and every one of us called by God to have compassion, a care so deep that we're moved to action, not just a feeling, not just an emotion, a shiver up and down the spine, but, but a calling into action. And when a non-Christian looks at us and says, you don't care about me, you're only trying to convert me. I think that's got to be one of the saddest commentaries on Christianity that I could ever hear. Hear me, church. I, I pray you hear me. I, I, Jesus wasn't into conversions. Hear me. Jesus was not into conversions. He was into relationships. He was into relationships, knowing that only through a compassionate relationship, only through somebody extending a hand, saying they care, would people truly see who God is. And when you see who God is through the reflection of somebody else, when you see that somebody else cares, and you see a God who cares, a Father who cares, unlike the life maybe that you've lived, man, only through seeing you care do they see that God cares. I, uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that our new address for the building is 3410 North Main. And that the scripture that we've been holding on to right down there at the bottom, Exodus 34, 10. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you before all your people, the people you live among, the people that you call neighbors, the, the people that you call family, the people that you call Parisians, parasites, whatever you want to call them. Lamarites, Red River Countyites, the people you live among. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. And they will see how awesome is the work that I, that I the Lord, will do for you. What kind of church are we going to be? What kind of people, the body of Christ, are we going to be? I'll tell you right now, look, if this is your house, if this is your home, if this is the place that you call church, if you represent God through this place, I'm telling you we're going to be a people who care. I pray you understand me. We're going to be a people who care. And if anybody ever asks, well, what's your life like? I think they could look at us and, and we could sit there and convey. And they may say, look, I don't believe what you believe. I don't, I don't agree with the way you do worship. I don't, I don't agree with the way that you preach. I, I don't agree with, with all of those things. But I cannot deny, I cannot argue with your heart. And I see the heart of God when I see you. 
They can argue about everything else. They can argue about all our points, all our doctrines, all of these things. But what they can never argue is that they see God doing a work through you that they've never seen before. It's how the nations will see his wonder. That's how neighbors, family, the friends that we live among will see how awesome he is. Guys, I would dare even go so far as to say that the less you care, the further you pull from Christ. The further away you get from Christ, the less you care. But just the opposite, true as well. When, when you get closer to Christ, you're going to care for things that matter to him. And when you care and minister to others, you draw closer to Christ. Because to say that we care but to not act is to not care at all. If we want the world to see the wonders of who Christ is, the, the things that, that we've recognized, it's, it's not going to be because I'm a Christian and I can just be. It's because I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a, I'm a learner. I daily wake up and I got to learn more. And, and that learning and drawing me closer to him draws me to hear, to see, to look around me and to, to realize there's people that are hurting that are in need. And in seeing the people that are hurting and that are in need and stepping into that situation, it only, it only draws me closer to Christ. And with them, not only are lives changed, but, but so is a life changed. Guys, I, I pray you get it. I pray you grab a hold of it. If you'll bow your heads with me as I close, Lord God, I thank you. And I pray this morning, God, that you would just move us so deeply with a, with a compassion, with, a, with a, a yearning on the inside, God, that we act. That we don't just sit back and pass them by, Father. I, I pray that even today that as people walk out of the building, Lord, that they, would, they wouldn't walk out of here without seeing somebody in need. I pray that you would give us the eyes to see, Lord God, to recognize divine interruptions. Those moments, Father, that you have set apart to interrupt somebody's life, to, 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 to even to cost in somebody's life, but, but to radically change somebody's life for eternity. I pray, Lord God, that through every single day that we would see opportunities, Lord God. Opportunities that you would slow us down enough to see your hand at work through our lives, Lord God, in the lives of others. A heart big enough, Father, to act, move us deeply, God. This morning as I continue to pray, I'm certain that there's people here that, that you, you know you're a Christian, you know you're a believer, but, but you feel like you maybe have, have drifted from Christ. And because of that, in this, in this drifting, you found that you care less for people. You care more about maybe even yourself than you care about others. That you're not fulfilling the command to be compassionate, to truly care. This morning, I want to pray with you, and it's just as simple as saying, God, forgive me. God, that you would give us your heart. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Make us aware, Father, of the instances of the situations that we come into contact with daily, of the times, Lord God, that, that, that we have driven on by, and I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the opportunity to stop, to act, draw us close to you, Lord God. That way we're changed and we can change others, that way that we show them that we care about them, the things that you care about. Father, I pray that we are a people full of compassion, that you would break our hearts for the very things that break yours, Lord Jesus. 
God, we thank you. And we pray that we would seize every opportunity, every moment, Lord God, every divine interruption, Lord God, that we would seize and utilize, that you would use us to make a difference in the name of your Son, Jesus. We pray that others would see his love through us. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, again, as a disciple, we're called to compassion. God bless you all. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Look for your divine interruption.